Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rohn is solo here for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, check us out, scoutfantasysports.com. Our fantasy baseball draft kit is littered with a ton of information Dr. Otto has his Los Angeles team preview up. My positional rankings are updated and will be daily in real time, so you can check them out. I have a recap of my Tout Wars draft from Tuesday night. Sean Childs has several different strategies for fantasy baseball, auction values, rankings, and a ton more. So make sure you check it out. Use the promo code BATS50 to get 50% off your first two months. You'll also be able to ask us questions specifically catered to your league on the message boards and forums. So check us out today. And joining me now, it is Sean Childs, one of the best high-stakes players around, an NFBC Hall of Famer, and a part of our staff at ScoutFantasySports.com. Sean, what's up? Adam, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. How was the trip out to Arizona for labor this weekend? It was. I guess it was better than being up north with all the snow. So I was excited about that. More snow over the weekend than I had all year that I was here. Yeah, it actually, uh, for me, it wasn't too bad. And the one thing is when we have had the little snow, like the next day it's like sunny and a lot of it melts. So really haven't had one of those storms where the snow just lingers for days. So it hasn't been too bad. But, yeah, you did avoid, I guess, the biggest snowfall of the year. Yeah, that was good. Uh, let's start off talking about your NL auction. You were both in the NL and AL. Uh, starting with the NL, I mean, obviously, I think people are well aware of kind of the strategy you've employed over the years, especially people in this league. And usually it's to spend on several players a lot of money and then kind of sit around and get some bargains. Uh, why do you feel that is the strategy that works in the, in these leagues? I think most of the time I'm trying to set the foundation of the categories, you know, get up in speed, batting average, and power out of the gate with your core three or four hitters, and then pitching, you know, get a couple maybe top-end pitchers to get ERA and whip. Tend to fade saves because I don't like to pay for a lot, but in this particular case uh, I, I did pay for um, Hader and Diaz, which is off the script what we normally do in that league. What made you change, and was that your plan going in, or was it just the prices that you saw you felt, you know what, this is enough of a value or below what you had, so you decided to deviate from the original plan? Um, the goal going in was to get Scherzer as the ace. Um, I knew Derek Carty was probably going to be aggressive for DeGrom because he had him last year and he pitched so great. And, uh, you know, so it's just a matter of if there's a third person that's involved and wants to pay for uh, things. So I thought I would get Scherzer. I would get Diaz and Hader, and, and Diaz and Hader would almost give me a second ace as far as strikeouts, but I would get the saves along with it, you know, so then I could, you know, shop at the back end and try to fill out the pitching staff. But um, DeGrom came out for, they battled it for 39, and uh, Derek Van Riper from Rotowire 
was aggressive. So I knew right away that he was going to probably be an uninsurer. So when Scherzer came out for 30 bucks, pushed him to 39, the same price as DeGrom, he went 40. I let him go. You know, I gave it a shot, but I didn't push, you know, fight that hard for him. And then the relievers end up coming out kind of for any other really starters game. So I said, well, let me stick to that habit of the plan and see what happens on the starting pitching side. So then I kind of freelanced and, you know, after that. We know that Josh Hader, even if he doesn't get saves all year, can still return tremendous value because of the ratios. But what is your expectation for him in terms of saves this year? How do you think Milwaukee handles him at the back end of the bullpen? Uh, I was just hoping that he would get, um, you know, some saves when they have to face lefties in the ninth inning and maybe gets extended for an extra inning once in a while when the Neville get, needs the night off. So, I mean, figure maybe 12 to 15, you know, they'll, they'll give um, the other uh, reliever, you know, most of the chances. Uh, but, you know, 12 to 13, maybe he, he'll get, be more fortunate in the win department, which wasn't the case last year, and maybe he can get 7 to 10 wins, and, uh, you know, that'll be a favorable combination along with his ERA whip and strikeout. So, um, but if something breaks um, the other way, he could be even be more of an impactful player if he gets more saves or, you know, or, or progresses and gets more innings. Talking to Sean Childs from ScoutFantasySports.com, going over his NL labor auction from this past weekend. Uh, Cody Bellinger went for $36. I know I had Lenny Melnick on a couple days ago, and he actually had his eyes on Bellinger, and he was a little surprised that he actually went to 35 um, It's easy to look at a draft board and say, wow, I can't believe you know he went for 36 Goldschmidt was 32 Freeman was cheap, but we all know the dynamics of when a player is thrown out. But clearly you're pretty high on Cody Bellinger this year. Uh, what do you see from him, and was that above your price where you were willing to go and you just felt like you had to have him? Um, it's just sometimes just the way the auction, uh, breaks. Um, I didn't know in, in advance that, um, Lenny was high on Bellinger. So somebody, somebody actually told me, uh, last couple of days that he really, really liked him and it, that he was knew that he would go for him. I, I, I had never heard him on you know, Sirius and I, and I didn't pick up on that, but I was willing to go for, you know, the Philadelphia first base Hoskins, rise Hoskins or, or Bellinger. Uh, if I had to settle for Rizzo, I would have taken him. But I had called up um, Votto for 24, to, and, and he went for 24 to get a feel for what the first baseman went. And maybe I was should have bought him for, at kind of a discount, but I thought the other first baseman would maybe go, you know, 27 to 30. But uh, Lenny, um, I bid $30 on Hodgkins, and then Lenny went 31, and he got him. And then so when somebody called out Bellinger, I knew that I would, could play pay for one more player and I was willing to place my bet on um, Bellinger as that player. Um, you know, if I got Rizzo, I'd have been okay with it. But I know Bellinger, if I'm going to pay for a first baseman, I, I would get the bonus that he could possibly hit 40 home runs. And I like the direction of his speed and his approach did improve last year. So, you know, batting average might get more towards neutral, maybe even be above that. So I liked where he was going. Um, but it was basically... Um, Lenny called him up, or whoever called him out, Lenny got on the odd numbers, and I never gave him a chance to bring him up. Soon it was on. Soon as he said the number twenty five, I said twenty six, and I just hammered him to the till he got off of him. And uh, but I wouldn't look at Greg the whole time when I was doing it. But you know, so, but he he didn't he didn't have the he didn't give the signal to back me off. But that's what I was doing. So sometimes you know I try to be aggressive, and sometimes I wait late depending on the feel for it. But that was a point where. I, you know, I felt that I was go for him and, and battle out the back end and basically sit on my hands for two hours. Well, I, again, I think people have seen you do this for a few years, so they know your strategy and the room knows each other well. Do you think 
Did you sense at any point that that works against you because people are bidding you up intentionally trying to get you to pay a higher price, or you don't think that's the case? Uh, no, I don't think I'm, you know, once in a while in the past, there's been, you know, p- people that know when I have money, probably in the mid range that are willing to push me a little bit. Um, I always know when there's a break point or if somebody's trying to force a player, um, it, I'm never going to go, you know, inflate a guy that I don't want, you know, that I'm not interested. I mean, I bid 41 on Turner, I bid 39 on Scherzer, um, really didn't get in, involved in any other high end players that I, that I wasn't interested. I mean, I mean, they're pretty clear, you know. People, people have a pretty good feel if I want somebody and they, they know that I'm willing to fight for them. But, you know, sometimes I think that they want me to uh, run out of money so I shut up and get move on and everybody else can get move on from the auction. So, so like, give, give him his five or six players, let him shut up for two hours, and then he'll be a pain in the end. Bryce Harper, you got for 35, and I feel like people are, like, split on him. There are people who think he's overrated. Others feel like he just has an immense ceiling because we did see that one big year where he has the ability to finish as a top three player uh, if he can put it all together. Uh, how much does Philadelphia going there change your perspective on him or do you think it really doesn't do much and he still just has that huge ceiling because we've seen it before? Yeah, I like the lineup around him and the park will help him for sure. Um, he looked like he was probably, you know, kind of undervalued overall based on when he's done the last couple of seasons in drafts. I mean, he was going late in the second round before he signed with Philadelphia. I had stuck when I did the early projections, I put him on, I, I did the write up with him already on Philadelphia as I thought they would get him, but I was hoping that he would land there just because it was probably a better opportunity with the guys behind him in front of him and they should score runs, hit more home runs. So I think the talent's there. I think people um, compare him to a lot lesser players, you know, not understanding that, you know, He's just getting in his prime, and he might have, you know, a great seven or eight year run where he's, you know, consistently hitting forty plus home runs, driving at hundred plus runs, and even getting some steals on his bat and batting average as he did in that one year has, you know, crazy upside if he you know, if he maintains a, you know, his uh, K rate. Talking to Sean Childs, ScoutFantasySports.com, going over his NL labor auction draft from this past weekend. You spent uh, 27 on Walker Bueller as your uh, first pitcher. Now, last year we know uh, innings limitations, and this year he just started throwing a bullpen session. So, you know, he might only go 160, 170, but how much has that changed your perspective on the way pitchers are utilized now where you have to kind of project the innings fewer just because baseball has changed? Yeah, overall, you you just try to analyze what, um, you know, how the teams have used them and the history of the player. I mean, and the strength of the bullpen, like for the Yankees, a pretty good bullpen that, you know, takes the pressure off. I mean, if Severino was healthy and even Paxton, you know, he's not going to get 220 innings for sure, you know, just by switching ball clubs. But, you know, you pay attention to that stuff. Um, You know, Bueller pitching up innings last year where, you know, he might, you know, push his way to, uh, you know, even higher than 180 innings, and, you know, they're going to be 180 good innings, and the Dodgers' ballpark is pretty favorable. Um, so I was willing to, um, you know, take a shot on him. I didn't um, probably jump him from $20 to 27 thought they would be a little more interested in him, but I heard crickets. But, you know, sometimes when you do that, you um, you take away the moment of uh, when people can think about it, you know, because if somebody goes up slower, people can think, ah, you know, maybe I'll go for him. So, you know, so I, was, I think I was fortunate to get him when I had Kershaw. I give me another good arm in LA, and then I backed him up with Urias for some insurance of you know maybe not a high volume innings, but I might get him some good innings if I need to use him, you know, as a regular player. 
I think a lot of people were interested to see how much Clayton Kershaw would go for in this draft. And you did get him at $20. Were you still interested in him going in? Was it dependent on the price? And, I mean, look, a lot of people just don't know right now. He's been playing catch. He might not be star for the ready of the year, but it just seems like a lot of people are just kind of crossing off their list. So what was your plan with Kershaw going into this draft? I really didn't think he was in my plan. I didn't even think of what a price that he would be. I had him at, you know, at 29 starts when I did the projections, when he had the first thing I took off, you know, three or four starts, figured he'd miss some time. Um, but, you know, once I missed Scherzer and I went the other way in the bullpen, I actually, in my back of my mind, I thought my fallback plan was one of the pitchers was just going to get Baumgartner discounted. So, but, you know, when Kershaw came out, he could. You know, sometimes you just tell there the price. There isn't a lot of fight in the room for him, and he was in the mid-teens. So I don't know if I got on 16 and 18, but I was like, ah, you know, I bid on him, and I said 18, and I almost got him, and then somebody came in late, and I was like, you know, one more dollar, I'll give it a shot. If he misses a month, six weeks, it's not a bad buy. Um, but you know, if he misses more time, you know, it'd be bad investment, but. You know, I'm swinging for the fences on the pitching side anyways, on a starter, so you might as well take a shot with him at, at a discounted price. Luke Weaver is an interesting name that you got at $4. We know people were very high on him last year. I saw him go sometimes in the sixth round of the drafts, and obviously it didn't work out. He leaves the Cardinals, goes to Arizona. Did see he's working on a new pitch. Uh, what's the, What's your intrigue here with Weaver? Yeah, looking for, you know, is he got right in the minors, probably around 210 in the majors, you know, 4.98 or so, but he has talent, shows capability, change of scenery might do him some good. You know, it's pretty rare that the Cardinals are going to ditch a pitcher, but, you know, hopefully a chain of scenery does well. There wasn't really, uh, he came out kind of late. There was somebody called him out for three. I bid four. I don't think there was a, a big fight for him in, in, in the, the back end of the National League, the pitching thing, they, they almost like they put the brakes on the prices because everybody is trying to conserve as many dollars to buy batters. So there was a lot of talented arms that went in the 4 to $5 range that probably were 7 or $8 pitchers. So I think I was kind of fortunate because he came out kind of late because I, you know, I did have him as highlighted as a guy that would take a shot at the back end of the rotation. But, um, you know, it'll, he'll be interesting. I don't expect um, Arizona – to win a ton of games, so wins could be a problem, but I think he'll definitely uh, you know, make a progression where he at least has value for fantasy teams this year. Jeff McNeil at second base for seven. He's slated to play the outfield, so he could get some outfield eligibility at some point. Uh, what are your expectations for McNeil this year? Uh, I like what he did last year. Um, Cespedes' uh, update didn't sound too positive where he can miss a lot of the, uh, the year. And, and if he plays well, he's, you know, his batting average is going to be asset, chipping with a few steals, and he showed a little power last year. You know, he, guy, guy missed a couple of years of development from injuries in the minors. So um, I actually had him a lot higher on the, on the cheat sheet and in where he, you know, you know, kind of fell into where I needed a middle infielder. I thought that was pretty good value considering the position I was in. So um, possible 300 hitter, you got a chance at uh, 20 steals, 10 homers. He gets the 550 at-bats, but, there's, you know, the Mets have some extra players in the outfield, so he might not get all that. But, uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, at that price point, he's a pretty good value for me. Now we know in these leagues, getting at bats innings is key. And when you look at these teams, you're never you're never going to say, "Oh, that team is great. Everyone has holes." What do you think is the the hole here that you're going to have to fill through the waiver wire and potential trades? Uh, probably going to need uh, a starter or two in the back end of the rotation. I'm not sure if we're not deep enough. I think the bullpen's pretty strong in strikeouts. Kershaw obviously is key for the pitching staff. Um, 
I think we did pretty good at catcher considering we were that late. I mean, Mejia was a guy that was, um, you know, people thought maybe he didn't qualify a catcher in that. I'm not sure, but, you know, he went kind of value. And I thought McCann coming off an injury year for two bucks, I mean, he could hit 10 home runs. So I think so we're okay at catcher. Um, it's just a matter of filling the at-bats, and we're kind of like got some two-thirds guys. So, you know, you hit on a player or two on the waiver wire, or you make a trade, you know, something have an asset. You know, we we could hit, be uh, in the game. We're gonna definitely probably fall short of expectations and speed. You know, just the way the structure end up shaking out in the back end. But um, but we got Victor Victor Macer as the you know second half to you know base dealer, right? Yeah, there you go. That's definitely a guy. I guess you got in the reserve round, and obviously Kershaw is definitely going to be key for this team. And you're right, you made a good point about Diaz and Hader. It's essentially. Uh, one star, if not more, if both those guys have the same ratios they did the year, last year in strikeouts. Obviously, Diaz going to a new team, but we know he can miss bats. So can Hater. Uh, Luke Weaver also someone that maybe could surprise. And Urias definitely a nice value there at three dollars. Looked good here in the spring, throwing ninety eight the other day. And we know the Dodgers have a lot of pitching, but they also have a lot of guys that will land on the DL at some point. We'll have a lot more with Sean Childs here in the next segment. He was also a participant in the AL labor auction. We'll see if he took the same strategy there. Did he spend up on big bats? How did it turn out? We'll break it down with Sean next. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Baseball, we know, kind of transcends just a World Series title, although that is always what every team is striving for. I would think that 10 years of being relevant with Manny Machado in San Diego, maybe that's the bar they're looking at as opposed to, I think in Philadelphia, the bar is definitely championship or bust for 13 years and $330 million, while in San Diego, be relevant. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and attorneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Back here at a Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis. Again, check us out, scoutfantasysports.com. Proven winners, guys who get it done, uh, excellent rankings, 
auction values from Sean Childs, different strategies. My rankings are there. My preseason pro picks are up. So this is where you want to be if you want to win. We can never guarantee championships, but we will put you in position to contend and do whatever we can to get you over the top. So check us out. Our fantasy baseball draft kit is loaded with content. More is added by the day. Use the promo code BATS50. Get 50% off your first two months. I'm joined by Sean Childs right now. We just went over his NL labor auction. If you missed it, you could check it out on demand right now. We're going to talk about his AL labor auction also in Arizona this past weekend. And you spent 45 on Mike Trout. Was this the goal here? Hey, I'm going to get either Trout or Betts. And was 45 your max or would you have willing to go higher? He was on the sheet for 47. Um, I thought there was a chance that he would go under that because I don't think he's gone really much over 45 since I've been doing it. I've owned him a couple times, maybe at a lower price, you know, around 42. But um, I, I thought that was fair. But I, I was getting trout. You know, that was the targeted first guy that I was going to get, and he came out early. So, you know, there were people. it probably helped that, you know, Betts was pretty close to him. So anybody that wanted him, you know, still had a – you know, chance to get a second player. So the first guy out sometimes at the top end works. I was just going to ask you that because I remember last year, my NFBC auction trout came out early and I think I got him for like 43, 44, which seems a little low for a mixed league auction. Do you think sometimes people are hesitant to spend on that first two or three players out in an auction? Um, I would say in some formats they are. I mean, the NFBC and the, the high stakes market, you know, where you've been re- repeat customers, they, those guys come ready to fire out of the gun. But the gate usually, if it's a lower-tier league where some people are kind of new, maybe not, they want to feel it out and everybody so- t- tries to be kind of cheap sometimes to save a few dollars. But um, in, 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 with the same owners and or uh, something like that that's repetitive, you know, most people are, you know, kind of have a pretty good feel of what a top-end player was, what we'll go for. So it's some, you know, even if he's first, um, if it was like a lesser name, a twenty dollar player, you might get them a little discounted because they're not sure where the you know the floor and the ceiling would be on that type of player. But you know, Trout, Trout, you know, he's a pretty respected player. You spent thirty six on Chris Sale. Uh, I believe he was the highest priced pitcher in this draft. I guess some people are concerned a little about Chris Sale. We saw diminished velocity last year, but there's no disputing his numbers when he's on the mound. He's one of the elite, if not the best. Are, it seems like you have no concern about him health-wise going into the season. Is that the case? Yeah, I was kind of hoping actually he would. The injury concern would knock him off a few dollars, but most of this group of people were were willing to pay for an ace. So um, you know, he was definitely the target for the for the for the top ace. He came out first. Um, I really you know liked Severino a lot, and I probably was fortunate because I was willing to roster him as a second p- pitcher as well if he went under thirty. But because I got sale, I didn't get Severino as a lead. And then because the prices are high, I didn't get Severino as a second. So I, I avoided a minefield. But, you know, sale's the, you know, a good front-end arm if he pitches up to capability. And a couple of years ago, we had a really, really good pitching staff when we actually had sale and Darvish. And we got almost 12s across the boards. We're getting a one at a save. So, you know, it, it can be done with two aces in the AL League for sure. Carlos Correa coming off a disappointing year. He went for $28. I think we all know the talent level that's in Correa. Is he someone that you feel right now is discounted? In in 15-team leagues, he's generally going in the fourth round. Is this a guy that could turn out to be a first, second-round value this year? 
Absolutely. I mean, the problem with that, I think, in this year is that there's so many shortstops that did well, and the overall top 10 or 12 guys, they look pretty good as far as skill set. You know, it might not be an impact player, but a guy that if you have a top first baseman or a top outfielder that you can pair, you know, a later shortstop with them and still come up with a good balance. Whereas if you take Correa, I'm, you know, I'm going to end up with an outfielder later on that's going to be maybe a 20-80 guy. So I think the combination of players is interesting because people can go in a lot of different directions. So, you know, Correa is not like really a target, and he's been injured the last two years. So people are kind of shying away from him. They don't know if he's going to run anymore. Um, but, you know, two years ago, he was on a good pace. He was probably going to be a 30-30 guy with 100 runs, 100 RBIs, but he didn't run. Uh but his rookie season, he was on a massive start of the year. You know, when he's 380 bats, he had 20-something home runs, and he looked like he was going to be crazy. But, you know, he's underperformed what we thought he should be so far. But he is, you know, probably a top-fire player in baseball if he does what's expected if he adds the steals into the equation. So, um, you know, you know, get it, you know, you get it, getting them discounted. So, uh, you know, well worth the value. And, I, you know, he probably was a $30 player in the past, and, I probably if they, if I wasn't bidding, somebody else probably would have gone for like twenty five. So it, just by me being involved, probably cost them a couple extra dollars, but I was willing to fight for them. I'm joined by Sean Childs of ScoutFantasySports.com, also one of the top high stakes players around. Runet Odor, twenty four dollars. I like that. I recently wrote about him. He had a change in the second half. He became more patient at the plate. He walked more. People forget this kid is 25 years old and he already has two seasons of 30 homers and three straight years of double-digit steals. Really like that buy in Odor right there. It was interesting because, um, you know, I was on looking at the Twitter thing and people were bouncing. They're like, and they were saying, like, I overpaid for Odor. I'm like, um, well, first, did you look at the inventory at second base in the AL Auction League? And second, you know, you're, you're kind of disrespecting his talent. I mean, he, he was hurt last year. Hamstring is naturally going to hurt his ability to run bases. And, you know, success rate was 12 for 24 in steals, you know, which is really, really a poor rate. But he, he did attempt 24 steals. So if he gets to where he was the last couple of years, I mean, he, he, he could easily get 15 to 20. And then you add in that he's got to third, two 30 home run seasons. He doesn't get to strikeouts rate in his first three years was under 20%. So his batting average shouldn't be, you know, under 270, I would think, going forward when he hits his prime. But so there's a lot to like, and there's not many guys at second base that can be a 30, you know, possibly 20 guy. Uh, and, he, and he's fairly priced at 24. I was willing, he, he was, you know, that was the three players that I wanted. You know, um, I wanted Odor because of the second base position, career and him, and I'll take my chances on filling out the roster. Also, Eloy Jimenez at 15. I actually thought he might go for more. We obviously hear all the hype about Vladimir Guerrero, and we know how good he is. Uh, Jimenez, though, probably not too far behind him. Were you surprised to only get him at 15? Did you think there'd be a little bit more hype on him? It was interesting. I had him on the sheet for $20, and then you know I reviewed the ADPs in the high-stakes market, and I was looking at him, and I was like, in, in some of the uh, completed auction values, and I was like, you know what? He's not getting enough respect. You know, like you said, he's not getting the Vladimir Guerrero fight for the player respect. So, um, you know, fifteen dollars is a really good price, even if he plays. You know, you know, gets four hundred and fifty at bats, he's, he's probably going to be productive. But if he plays all year up in the majors and he stays healthy, I mean, he's going to be, you know, do a lot of good stuff and help in batting average. And you, know, you have to be excited about him. So he's kind of a, you know, a really, really good upside player for us. Especially where we're short capital. 
I was almost forgetting this guy. The last couple of weeks, I was going over some things. So I'm like, wait a second. I liked Jorge Soler last year. And yes, he got hurt, and we almost forgot about him. But when he was on the field, he was good. And I know the Royals lineup is not great, but hey, they have guys that are going to run up top with Merrifield, Mondesi. Obviously, the loss of Salvador Perez hurts a little bit. But I think Jorge Soler, for people that are not paying attention now, is a little sneaky. I mean, he had a pretty good numbers when he played last year. Uh, thoughts on Soler at $9? Yeah, I mean, I think last year his pace was, you know, he's going to be a, you know, probably if you get 500-plus at-bats, probably 70 runs, 20-plus home runs, 70 RBIs. Um, when you think of me, he's been around the league a lot, kind of underperformed what, what you thought, but I, I think he's entering this year at age 27. So he's kind of entering his prime, and he does have talent. So, um you know, at that point of the draft, I mean, he, he he was highlighted on the sheet prior to going in that I wanted him from like eight to ten dollars. So I was happy to get him, probably middle of the order bat, and you know maybe even could sneak in a couple steals at the back end. So you know, p- pretty good value there, and, and you know a good player to fill out your roster if he can stay healthy this year. Another outfielder you got eight dollars, Kristen Stewart. Uh, what type of numbers do you expect from him this season? That average is going to have a little bit of risk. Uh, it does take some walks. Um, if he stays healthy and plays up for the whole year, I mean, he, he has a swing and an approach to, you know, hit 30 home runs. Probably the RBIs and runs won't be, you know, as dramatic because of the overall lineup in uh, Detroit isn't as strong, probably in front of him and behind him. So maybe hits, you know, fifth in the bat in order behind Cabrera and, and give him some more chances. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, also, Matt Barnes, $9. Obviously, the Red Sox have not signed Craig Kimbrell. It doesn't appear like they will. Uh, we know Ryan Brazier is also in the mix, but he's been slowed by an injury. Uh, it seems you're pretty confident that Barnes is the closer for Boston right now. Do you think he will get the job, and can he hold it for the duration of the season? Uh, I, I, he was a gamble. At that point of the auction when he came out, um, most of the closers had already come out already. Um, I figured the starting pitchers in from like the six to ten dollar range that I I didn't like many of them and I didn't think I would go after them. So I figured, you know, why not take a shot on saves and get something out of him? He, you know, the guy can strike out a lot of guys, and he had some really really good stretches last year. But he also had, you know, one stretch where you know he couldn't get anybody out. So he, he does have risk, but. For for nine dollars, and if he does get saves, at least he kind of gets us out in the game out of the gate in the AL only league, and where we can try to, you know, see if we can find more saves or even make a trade later in the year. Uh, you got Ronald Guzman for first base, and we saw him with Texas last year. Nothing spectacular. I did read that he was kind of working on his swing. Uh, what are the expectations for him? Do you think he can improve? Is there some more power in that bat with a year of experience under his belt? Yeah, I mean, he had decent production last year for what he played, and it looks a little cloudy as far as at bats in Texas. I wasn't sure he was going to play every day, but maybe two thirds of the time because he he's a lefty. So, um, you know, it's uh, he's you know, I I really actually wanted Healy from uh, Seattle, which most people probably think that the uh, Domingo Santana would probably get the most at bats on that extra outfielder spot there or DH. But I wanted Healy, but I at the time when he came out, I didn't wasn't sure I could. Uh, you know, fit him in the way I was going, and Guzman will end up going a dollar cheaper. So, I, I, you know, like the ballpark, he'll, he should get a pretty good opportunity, and, and if he does improve, at least, you know, don't strike out like he did last year. He, he has a chance to get 20 home runs. Talking to Sean Child, ScoutFantasySports.com. Obviously, 
you're going to get some cheap pitchers with where you spent up. Drew Smiley was one of them at $4. Uh, we did see flashes from him a couple years ago. He is healthy now. Uh, what can we expect from Drew Smiley this year? Is there any chance that he's on the radar in deep mixed leagues, or is he reserved to AL only, especially pitching in Texas? I would roster him in a deep mixed league, and he has an ADP in the 600, I think, in the 15-team high-stakes market. He's like, you know, probably doesn't get drafted a lot. Uh, some owners probably might throw him on the back end of the rotation as a reserve. But, you know, pitching in Texas isn't ideal. But he has, you know, a good walk rate. He can strike out eight or nine batters, you know, if, if, he, if he rebounds to his previous form. You know, he had Tommy John surgery, and then he had a shoulder injury before that. So, you know, there is definitely a risk in that he, how many innings can he handle. But, you know, based on the back end of the pitching staff, I mean, I, had, I thought I would get him for $2, but when the person called him out, they called him for 3 and and I was kind of sitting on him as the last starter that I was willing to take. So, I, I would, you know, I would, I would prefer to have a couple more dollars. But, you know, he, he's, the, he's a guy that could have a sub-3.5 ERA, pitches well. I mean, he obviously could get traded to a contender as well. It feels like in drafts that I've done, everyone and Carnacion really slips. You got him for 23. And, yeah, the batting average has dipped, and he's 36 years old, and he's going to a new team. But the power's been there. The RBIs have been at least 107 four straight years. Uh how much does Encarnacion have left? Does he have another 30-90 season in him with a decent average? Yeah, I think he's going to be productive in uh, in power again. And, you know, the RBIs hit, hit a right part of the lineup. Maybe the runs won't be ideal. Um, it's kind of interesting that because we had gone, we were thinking about Severino and uh, and uh, we ended up getting with Paxson. So I saved a few dollars. But if I was a little sharper, I probably could have added Vlad Guerrero for 22 at, in, at third base and drop down to, like, Miggy or even somebody else at first base, and that combination might have been better. But, you know, you can never backtrack and draft. So, you know, Encarnacion, like you said, you know, for what he's done, a little undervalued. You kind of know what you're going to get out of him. You know, you know, at least 25-plus home runs, decent RBIs, not going to help you in batting average too much. But, you know, a, a nice player in, 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 in a good resume. Are you willing to pay for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this year? He went for 22 in this auction. He's been going in the third, fourth round of drafts. Are you willing to take a shot on him in that area, or do you think it's just not the right price? Uh, in this auction, I, w- I would have paid for him. I had him on there at 25, and I, I, he, I just wanted to see where he went, and I, I almost said it when he went 22, and it would have changed the direction. I just think batting average is such a key category, and I know he's going to hit for average, and you know he, he can drive the ball, so he's going to be pretty protected by the gate. I'm not, I don't, I'm not too worried about the minor, minor league stuff, but you know, overall... You know, he's he's a player that uh, might be a little trickier in the high stakes, but if you get him at the right place in the fourth round uh, later and you have the right team structure, he kind of works because you can take low batting average, you know, power behind him and, and, you know, and still get out, you know. But it's all about speed and uh, everything. Uh, you had Carlos Rodon for $6. You know, last year he came back. The strikeouts were down. The walks are up a little bit, but we've seen in the past when healthy, he does have the ability to pile up the strikeouts. Uh, what kind of season do you envision from him this year? He, he did. Other than that, you know, his command was off last year. He did get major league batters out, and uh, you know, his, his whip was okay. His ERA was a little high, but there was a nice stretch there where he he looked like he was a competitive arm. He gave up twenty three less hits to per, per innings pitch, so I, that was pretty attractive to me if he can get his walk rate. He ever got his walk rate, you know, closer to three, you know, his, his K's would jump jump a lot. So, overall, he's come, he was coming off an injury year and, you know, slow start to the season, so I'm, I'm thinking a full-off season that he can rebound, 
White Sox might score a little bit of runs, and uh, you know he's pretty good value for six bucks if he can make a step forward. Uh, an interesting name. We heard a lot more about him last year. There was some buzz, but obviously he was hurt, and we didn't see him in the majors. That's Austin Hayes of the Orioles. I took him in a draft Champions League in the 30s or 40s. Uh, it feels like people have forgotten about him a little bit. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I thought that he might make the team out of spring training um, and, and be a guy that had offered upside and home runs and, and stuff like that. And uh, I liked his skill set last year, like just like you. So um, for a dollar, I mean, I, I mean, I, I had him on where I was going to roster him for a dollar anyway. So, it, but I, I, I thought somebody might bid, a, you know, a little bit, you know, a couple dollars for him. But uh, we called him out and we were able to get him late. All right, Sean, how do you feel about this team? It seems like the pitching staff is is really going to need some work. Do you agree there? Well, um, Sale and Paxton, they're going to anchor it. And, you know, Estrada getting in Oakland, hopefully he rebounds and the home runs don't kill him so much there and maybe has a Mike Fires type season where, where he re- rebounds. And then, you know, Kennedy, you know, just a steady arm and maybe Shelby Miller bounces back. And I think overall, I think that – you know, the pitching staff would be okay and saves would be kind of tricky. And, you know, maybe in Seattle that Matt Fester gets a chance at some point in the year to get some saves if he makes the team. And, you know, a little bit working on the back end, but, you know, not enough to, you know, really do the damage if the aces pitch how you expect. I always tell people when you look at these AL and only teams, no team is going to stand out. Every team has holes. There's just not enough talent to go around, so keep that in mind. Sean Childs, always good talking to you. I know you got some high-stakes drafts ahead, so good luck, and we will talk to you soon. All right, again, Sean Child, ScoutFantasySports.com. You can check him out, his rankings and strategies all there on the site. When we return, we'll wrap it up looking at some interesting news and notes across MLB. Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-625-4922 for your free DVD videos and brochure that's at 800-625-4922 thermospas hot tubs designed to improve your life call 800-625-4922 today to take advantage of zero percent apr financing it's calling the shots lebron hasn't been a very good team this year he hasn't whether that is him being in the league for so long and this being one of those where like just bleep this moment 
I can't deal with it. If we talk about who's to blame for all these issues, I honestly think the buck starts and almost stops with Magic and Palenka. Weekdays, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can catch the show live weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern or on demand anytime you want. All you have to do is search podcast, look for Scout Fantasy Sports, hit subscribe, and you'll be notified whenever a new episode is uploaded. We've got you covered on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network with live programming from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern every weekday. Coming up next from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., it's Game Time Decisions with Gabe Morency and Cam Stewart. At 7 p.m., it's NBA Takeaways with Chris Welsh and Scott Bogman. At 7.30 p.m., it's the FNTSY News Desk with Dan Stratford. From 8 p.m. to 11 p.m., it's Calling the Shots with Keith Arizari. And tomorrow morning, bright and early, it's Make It Rain with Joe O'Neary and Dean Martinez from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. From 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., it's The Morning After with Gabe Morency and Joe O'Neary. From 12 p.m. to 2 p.m., it's the Fantasy BFFs with Greg Sussman and Frank Stample. And Doc and I will be right back here with you on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. You could also check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. Uh, remember, I finished number two in the Fantasy Pros Accuracy Rankings for Experts. And if you want access to those rankings, which helped me have a lot of success in last year's leagues, and for this year, you can check it out now. Updated, added more players in. It is posted, and I will update this frequently. I'll definitely be doing a sweep tomorrow and throughout the weekend as injury news breaks, reflecting Clayton Kershaw, Luis Severino, maybe some position battles. So what I recommend is always wait until the last minute before your draft, before you print it out and take it with you because I do make changes constantly. So just keep that in mind. I also have my preseason pro picks are out, my sleepers, bust, and stash and cash players for offense, pitching. So you can uh, get a glimpse of that now. I know Sean Charles will have his out soon. Sean Charles also has a early round pick that he feels is going to be a bust. Uh, we got team previews from Dr. Roto. Sean Charles has a lot of different strategies that you can try out in your leagues. And remember, he's succeeded in the high stakes league, so it'll definitely help you. We have NASCAR ratings. We have a dynasty profile of Akeem Butler. So just tons of content here. So you, you get access to everything once you become a member. And again, our draft kit's just, it's loaded with good information. I will have a lot more to come as well leading up to drafts. I know it's peak draft season with the season beginning right around the corner. So use the promo code BATS50, get 50% off your first two months. And you can ask questions on the message boards and forums, scoutdfs.com as well, where we got you covered for NBA, NHL, PGA, optimizers, and uh, Slack chat leading up to lineup lock to help you out with those tough, critical decisions in VegasWhispers.com for your sports betting needs. Only two games in the NBA tonight. Uh, I am actually not going to play tonight, which is two games, so really not much to talk about there. So let's talk about some of the news and things that I have uh, taken an eye to here in baseball. Uh, Shohei Otani is close to begin to beginning a throwing program, so... Look, he's not going to pitch this year. We know that. Uh, he had the Tommy's arm surgery. They're hoping that he can be the DH. Now they're saying a late April, early May. 
Look, he was great last year. He had a 925 OPS, even 10 stolen bases, the 22 home runs, and only 367 plate appearances. But he's a guy that I'm just not drafting right now, especially if you're in a weekly league. You just don't know how often he's going to play. And in a daily league, maybe I could see it a little bit more because at least you have the ability to move him in and out of the lineup. But in a weekly league, you know, what if it's three starts a week? Uh, you know, how are you going to start him on a given week unless you're in the NFBC style where, you know, you can make the changes on a Friday. So I just think it's going to be a little too much maintenance and especially for where you have to get him. Uh, I don't really think there's there's much of a bargain right now with Otani. So he is not someone that I've been drafting and I really don't have him ranked that high. He went in round 16 of Tout Wars. That's a... An OBP league, and it's a weekly league. You can't change your offensive players. So, uh, you know, I in that round, I took Austin Meadows after him. I'd rather have Meadows. I know Meadows might, you know, platoon at times, but he's got some speed. He's got some pop. And, you know, to me, he's got the higher ceiling where we just don't know how often Otani is going to play. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, Aaron Hicks has been dealing with a back issue. He is expected to return to games this weekend. So, it is a little concerning. He is a guy that has been bothered by injuries, and that's why some people question whether the Yankees should have given him a seven-year, $70 million contract. But he has been very good when he's been on the field. Uh, this is not going to downgrade him for me. I took him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational in round eight of a 15-team league, and I knew I had to take him in that spot or he would not make it back to me. But, you know, he's in a good spot. I would expect him to miss a little bit of time. It's just been the case for him throughout his career. He's 29 years old. He did play in 137 games last year, and that's probably what I would project him at, you know, 137 to 140. It would be great if he played more, but I'm sure he'll spend a stint on the DL. But you're going to get good numbers when he plays, especially in an OBP league. You know, 366 last year, 372 two years ago. He had 27 homers, 11 steals last year, 90 runs, and 79 ribbies. And there's talk that he's probably going to hit leadoff uh, quite often. So, it's not going to deter me from dropping his price just yet. The Yankees' first base situation, Aaron Boone addressed it today. He said there will not be a platoon at first base this season. So uh, going to be interesting uh, to see who wins the job because everyone is pegging Luke Voigt as the guy. Greg Bird obviously in the mix as well. I lean towards Voigt, and I've been taking him on a couple of draft champions. Leagues. I haven't gotten him recently. If I'm not mistaken, I think in our great fantasy baseball invitational league, he went 10th, 11th round, so pretty early. And the competition at first base for the Yankees is still up in the air. It looks like Luke Voigt would be my guess, and that's the way people are approaching it in drafts as he had a great finish to the season last year when given an opportunity. 15 homers in 47 games at 398 OBP. He is beginning to rise up draft boards as people are very interested in him, and why not? You want a guy who is going to be – in the Yankees lineup, uh, Voigt went round 14 of my Tout Wars draft the other night, 15-team league with OBP. So if he wins that job and can come close to what he did last year, which is you know, asking too much for sure because it was a small sample. We'll see how he adjusts. But there's definitely some ability in that bat. When he made contact, it was very hard. 28% line drive rate, 47% hard hit, hit rate. But again, it was a small sample. It was just 143 at-bats. But in that Yankee lineup, I'm certainly willing to take a shot at that point. And we just see some players kind of get it together late or just need the opportunity. He is 28 years old, so you don't want to dismiss him for sure. At the same time, you don't want to reach for him in your drafts. 
Jose Altuve was scratched today with general left side soreness. They don't think it's serious, and obviously they're being cautious here. A lot of people think Altuve is a value late in the first round. I don't. He's not a player that I'm uh, very high on. Again, I think he could be good. I just, you know, you're really paying for average. Is he going to run as much? Yes, it's a good Astros team, but Altuve is a player that I've kind of avoided. Clayton Kershaw is expected to play catch again today, but they don't have a set date for him to return to the mound. And he is unlikely to be ready for opening day. So that means either Ross Stripling or Julio Urias will be in the rotation to start. And as I mentioned, with a lot of these Dodgers pitchers, they're going to all spend some time on the DL. So don't be afraid to invest. We know Hinjin Ryu, and I like him, and I'm willing to draft him, and I have. We know he's going to miss time. It's just uh, unlikely that he's going to last the entire season. Rich Hill's 39. He's missed time. He had blister issues last year. Uh, they're going to monitor the innings of Walker Bueller. So there's enough for these Dodgers pitchers uh, to go around. And it might only be 140 innings from some of them, but I'm not afraid to draft any of them. Uh, it'll work itself out. They'll find a way to get the innings at some point. Francisco Lindor has begun taking grounders hit at him, so he's not doing any lateral movement yet as he's still recovering from this strained calf muscle. But looks like there's a chance, you know, he's ready early in April. And I took him in Tout Wars at pick 29. I never thought he would make it back to me, but I just felt like the value was just too much to pass up at that point. And hopefully he'll be good to go early in the season. A couple observations from the spring. You know, Aaron Sanchez is a guy that I'm keeping an eye on. It was just a couple years ago. He was among the league leaders in the ERA in the AL Last two years have not been great. He's had some injuries, blisters, uh, two and two-thirds scoreless innings yesterday. Now in the spring, four and two-thirds scoreless and four strikeouts. So I took him in the great fantasy baseball invitational late, hoping that he can return to the form that he had a couple years ago, especially if that velocity is up. John Gray had a good spring outing, four scoreless innings, five strikeouts a hit and no walks. Gray was a guy that I liked last year, but it's really tough for me to invest again this year. And I don't let players that burn me, I don't let that steer away from them. But Gray, just the problem is, you know, pitching in course field, the inconsistency. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a good year. You know, the home runs have been a big issue. And he had an ERA over five, but a lot of the underlying numbers say he should have been better. But he did allow 27 home runs and 172 in a third innings. And last year, the thing was, we saw a lot more hard contact. And I know those numbers were pretty much up across baseball, but uh, he should be better. He has the ability to pitch better. Uh, it's just a matter of, will he get it done? So I have not drafted him yet. Uh, I'm not saying I'm avoiding him, but generally where he goes, I just feel like there are better pitchers on the board. Uh, he went in round uh he went kind of early in tout, uh, well, the middle rounds of drafts, uh, but not someone that I was uh, looking to draft on my team. I did get a gray, but it was Sonny Gray. So, you know, John Gray uh, went in round 12. See, that's a little early for me. You know, he went one pick before me. There are some pitchers in the next round and even the the 14th round that I would take over John Gray. So that's it's a little bold there on John Gray. It could work out, but I would not bet on it at this point. Again, just it's frustrating because I watch him pitch and I see the stuff and you feel like he has the ability to be consistent, but it just hasn't panned out. Some good news on Nick Senzel because I he was someone that I started to worry about because of this hamstring issue, but he was back in the lineup today. So that's a good sign because remember, 
he's trying to play center field and he's not a natural center fielder. They're giving him that opportunity because they want to get his bat in the lineup. Josh James threw a bullpen session today, but they've already said he will not be in the starting rotation to begin the year. He will pitch out of the bullpen as he's dealing with a right quad injury. And he was going 12th, 13th round of some draft champions leagues last month. Uh, obviously, people were high on him, and especially any pitcher for the Astros, you have to have some interest in. But he was uh, set back, and the final rotation spot looks like it's coming down to Brad Peacock and Framber Valdez, and Peacock was good yesterday. Uh, I would lean towards Peacock getting that role for the Houston Astros, and uh, any pitcher for Houston uh, definitely has to at least pique your interest because we've seen what they've done with Gary Cole, Justin Verlander, and Charlie Morton, uh, among others. So definitely something to uh, keep an eye on there in Houston. Uh, Fernando Tatis is off to a really good start here in the spring. He has a 1.127 OPS, 313 average, and it's just a matter of time before they call him up. My guess is you might see him earlier than we think, uh, willing to take him in you know the 20, 21st round of drafts. You know, that's definitely a pick that could pay off. It also depends on your format, too. You know, there are some leagues where it doesn't make sense. You know, if you, uh, it depends on how many bench spots you have, the depth, uh, the player pool. Uh, but I am willing to take a shot on some of these guys. Tatis went, though, pretty early in Towers. He went in round 13. So maybe that is expectation that maybe he comes up in April. I'm not so sure about that, but that's pretty early for Tatis. I don't think you need to take him that early in most drafts. And, uh, again, he could make a, a pretty quick impact. He has some power and some speed, so it's just uh, something to keep an eye on. Arotis Vizcaino, you know, he has a path here to solidify the closer role with A.J. Minter dealing with a shoulder injury. But Vizcaino struggled yesterday. A third of an inning allowed two runs and three hits. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on there. And I think a lot of people feel Drew Steckenrider is going to be the closer for the Marlins. I'm not so sure about that. I would not be drafting Steckenrider right now. He got hammered yesterday. And it's not because of the spring outing. You know, they brought in Sergio Romo, so there's a good chance that he gets the opportunity to close, especially since they could draw up his trade value and then potentially deal him away. They also have Adam Conley in the mix, a left-hander who might get some save opportunities. So, uh, don't be so sure that Drew Steckenrider is to closer. I would not be surprised if he does not get the job. So he's not someone that I'm drafting right now. Sonny Gray, someone who I did draft in Tout Wars round 2021, uh, obviously had that elbow issue, but he is listed as the starter for Saturday. He's expected to throw a bullpen session today, and if that goes well, he will be on the mound. And do think that late in a draft, especially in a 15-team league, I'm willing to take a shot because we all know the home road splits were pretty stark last year. And Not that Cincinnati's the best pitcher spark, but I think there's definitely some upside there with him. That wraps it up here, but you can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. My rankings, preseason pro, my recap of Tout Wars. Use the promo code BADS50 to get 50% off your first two months, and we'll put you in contention for our Fantasy Baseball Championship. I'll be back Friday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thank you.